Let's start with an important premise. Your mission, your organization, your clients, the communities you serve deserve a five-star development director. Seems like a pretty obvious thing to say, doesn't it? But do you know how often organizations stay with mediocre or worse development directors because they don't believe they will be able to find someone stronger? That somehow finding a terrific development director is a needle in a haystack business? I want to talk about that today. Is it really true that there are way more organizations that need rock star development directors than there are excellent prospects? Or is it possible that your board and staff don't understand or don't want to understand the role they play in the success of a development director? Maybe it's possible that you did hire a rock star development director and your organization failed them because they believed the work of fundraising rests with the development director. A couple things before we really dive in. One, we're going to talk about are there really a scarcity of great development folks out there? Spoiler alert, no. Number two, should you move a poor performing development director out? Spoiler alert, yes. Another, three, should you make damn sure you have a poor performing development director and not a low performing unsupportive team? And here I mean board and staff, including the executive director. Spoiler alert, it's one of the big things we're talking about today. And by the way, if you do make a move and hire a new development director, I have a few words of advice for you at the end. Okay, we've got a lot to unpack, but I have a mic. You've got earphones, so let's spend a few minutes on some of these questions, shall we? Greetings and welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. I'm your host, Joan Gary, founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, where we help smaller nonprofits to thrive. I'm also a strategic advisor for executive directors and boards of larger nonprofits. I'm a frequent keynote speaker, a blogger, and an author on all things leadership and management. You can learn more at joangary.com. I'm a woman with a mission to fuel the leadership of the nonprofit sector. My goal with each episode is to dig deep into an issue I know that nonprofit leaders are grappling with by finding just the right person to offer you advice and insights. Today, it turns out that the right person is me. Time and again, I hear this from executive directors. Well, I... I can't be without a development director. It will take forever to do a search, and I'm not convinced I'm going to find anyone better. I'll take gross generalizations for 800, Ken, or Mayim, or Alex of Blessed Memory. Enough already. There is an entire sector of fabulous, dedicated relationship builders who are responsible for fueling the movement to make the world more just, more fair, and more beautiful through their commitment to bring vital financial resources to the 1.5 million organizations here in the United States. So can we just stop saying that? So what's the implication of this? If you do need to terminate your development director or manage that person out for poor performance, just do it. Always remember, the funding for every staff position came as a result of someone else's generosity and deep belief in your organization. Imagine that person was me. I funded your development director's salary, and we had a meeting, and I asked you to tell me how well my donation had been invested. Could you look me in the eye? 
If not, it's time to make some kind of change. You owe it to the donor, to your mission, and to the people you serve. But don't do it just yet. There is one very important step to take before you decide to fire your development director. It's recognizing that development is a team sport. A development director is a quarterback. A quarterback needs a good team. Now, for those of you hiring your very first director of development with no staff support, congratulations. Manage your expectations and get out and tell every person in your organization you just hired a quarterback, and they need to be active players on the team. Start from the beginning and set the expectations right from the start. Here are 10 things I want you to think about as you assess whether the problem you have is a poor performing development director or whether or not your quarterback does not have a strong enough team. I want you to consider these things. This is not, by the way, to slow up the process of managing development directors out. Trust me when I tell you that nonprofit executive directors are unusually slow to move people out. We are a helping kind, and we like to help people succeed. And that means that we often fire very slowly. So I'm not suggesting we make it even slower. I am suggesting that there needs to be some context to the decision that you make. So here are what I think are 10 things to think about when you're thinking about, okay, is my development director a poor performer or do I have a quarterback with a lousy team? So number one, when was the last time the executive director made a direct ask to an individual or foundation? Made an ask whether or not the gift was closed. If it's been longer than six weeks, you may not have a strong team because your ED may be part of the problem. Number two, is there a clear vision, a strategic plan, and great impact stories? Are there great stories to tell about the work of the organization and an aspirational destination for where you're headed? When those things are true, a development director can tell those stories and invite people to join the organization on a journey towards that aspirational destination. If not, harder. Number three, what's the charge of the development committee? Charge, you say? I guess I would put the question differently. Is it if you asked the development committee of your organization what its charge was, and they said something in the vicinity of, well, we keep an eye on the development director's progress to make sure we're hitting our goals. I have literally heard development chairs say that. There's so many problems with that, but I'll just give you two of them. One is, you have just described the charge of the executive director. It's the executive director's job to hold the development director accountable 
to ensure that the numbers get hit or that there are reasonable explanations for variances and creative ideas generated for how to solve for the variances, things like that, right? That's the ED's job. The second problem with that is that it actually puts the development committee in a place where it really has no clear charge. The charge of the development committee should be a group of people who are the engine that holds the board accountable to meet its development obligations, to make sure it has the skills, the tools it needs to be successful, the stories it needs to tell, the training, things like that. I don't think that's how most development committees see their role. I actually think most development committees don't really quite get their role, which may be a reason that they're not very engaged. So development committee charge, that's number three. Here's number four. When was the last time a board meeting had some time dedicated to educating the board on what development work is like. I could say a fundraising training, that would be fine. And if it's been longer than a year since there was time allocated at a board meeting to make and help to make board members better, more compelling ambassadors, to think about their networks of folks and who could be invited to come closer to the organization, that's a problem because my team needs to be well-trained if I'm a quarterback, right? Number five is development on every single board meeting agenda. You see, important things make it onto agendas. Things that are not seen as important do not. If it's missing from the agenda because development and fundraising makes your board feel uncomfortable, that's just too bad. It's an important part of their job. And when I talk about it being on the agenda, I'm not just talking about the development director showing a report with numbers. I'm talking about real time from the development committee talking about how the board can be more engaged in being effective, credible, and compelling ambassadors for the organization. If that's not happening at all, flag on the field. Here's number six. Does each board member fill out a fundraising plan of some sort at the beginning of each year? I know I, I heard, I, I saw eyes rolling just now. Probably the answer to this in a lot of cases is no. But you see, one of the key things a development director and their staff team, if they're lucky enough to have one, needs is a prospect list. And I'm not talking about a prospect list of wealthy people. That would be nice. I'm talking about a prospect list of people who could get an e-appeal, who would benefit from knowing more. A fundraising plan isn't just I plan to give this amount of money, but it's also, here are my some of my contacts. Here's some people that might be interesting for the organization to know. 
right? What we're trying to do is grow the army of people who would benefit from knowing more, who would derive more joy and meaning and purpose in their lives by knowing more about the work that you do to bring them closer. Let's not forget that volunteers are the biggest source, right? Volunteers give disproportionately. We all think that volunteers give their time. They are an absolute foundational element of your fundraising strategy. So we're looking to bring people close in every imaginable way. So your fundraising plan can be a development strategy for each person for the year, and it can, can be very broadly defined. But we need one, and it should be administered by the development committee, and the development committee should do the follow-up, not the staff. If your development director is in the business of nagging the board for things, they will get demoralized very quickly. They won't be an excellent quarterback because they won't have an excellent team. Number seven, it's an interesting question. Is the chair of your nominations and recruitment committee a timid or reluctant fundraiser? Why did I put that on the list, do you think? Well, see, because building a culture of philanthropy on your board starts with recruitment. And here's what I see happen time and time again. The most enthusiastic fundraisers go where? They go on the fundraising committee, the development committee. The people who know numbers, they go on the finance committee. And then the people who maybe are good at process and good at follow through, they go to nominations. And they are not usually enthusiastic fundraisers. Because if they were, they'd be on the development committee. And so these people will soft pedal the fundraising obligation in your organization. They'll soft pedal the give get if you have one. They'll say, oh my gosh, we have a terrific development director. We always hit our numbers, or there are so many ways to hit your give or get. Don't even worry about your Rolodex because they want to get that butt in that board seat. They're going to soft pedal what they understand to be the most challenging part of board service. And what you will wind up with is a weak team that is not invested in winning with your quarterback. Number eight, does your board and staff just love special events? Well, that's swell. But if you're lucky, really lucky, 70 cents on the dollar, comes back to you to the bottom line. And that doesn't include the staff time or the board meeting dedicated to what centerpieces you're going to use. And promise me that if you ever sit on a board and the conversation moves to the kind or cost of a centerpiece, that you will run screaming from the room if for no other reason than the dramatic effect. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a big fan of special events. They are a key way to market and evangelize your mission. But each member of the quarterback's team has to understand that making a direct ask for support is a key part of their job. Not selling them tickets. It's not transactional. They have to be able to understand that it makes people feel good to give money to causes they care about. And so when I ask you, would you consider joining me 
with a gift to XYZ organization at the $1,000 level, and I have made a compelling ask for that, I have been successful. I've made that ask. That person gets to decide yes or no. And if they say yes, it's going to make them feel really good. It's going to fill them with a sense of meaning and purpose. Board members need to understand that. If they are sucked into the tornado of special events time and time again throughout the course of the year, they won't learn that. And they won't have to learn it because they're going to be so busy doing special events, they won't have time. Number nine, during the budget process, did anyone add revenue to the budget that the development director protested? This is what I call a plug number. I do know some development directors who tend to lowball their numbers to ensure success, but the vast majority of them are highly realistic. They understand that money is programs and they want to raise the most money they can. They submit a number, then they're told by audit and finance, the programs are really important and we can't cut that, so you're going to have to add another $100,000 someplace. And all of a sudden, those numbers no longer belong to the development director. And when numbers don't belong to you, you don't feel accountable to them. And that can set up a development director to fail. You know, I don't know if that was nine or 10. I think that was 10. I'm not re-recording this podcast, by the way. Whether it was nine or 10, these are important considerations for you to really reflect on before you say, my development director is a poor performer, right? These are ways for you to assess the team of the development director quarterback to see if that quarterback has what they need to succeed. I want you to give real thought to these questions I want you to remember that development directors need a good team to win, that they need a strong staff if you have that luxury. They need a board and an executive director who embraces development work, builds relationships, grows that army of engaged people who want to know and do more for your organization. And to be fair, you also want to evaluate the extent to which your development director has raised the issues they face and has offered solutions, right? Has raised some of these issues and come to you and said, okay, I have a couple of ideas for board prospects that I think are really aligned with our mission and really can help be a catalyst for building a culture of philanthropy on our board. That's a really good example of a solution. A first-rate development director sees these problems and initiates conversations to raise them and comes prepared with some really interesting ideas about solutions. All right. So let's say now that after that kind of reflection and assessment, you think to yourself, you know, I really do have a strong board. I really believe we have a culture of philanthropy on, in our organization. Maybe you're the executive director and you say, you know, I actually really love fundraising. And I can't remember the last time I was asked by my development director to go meet with XYZ person and make a $5,000 ask. Maybe your board members are super great storytellers 
who share those stories both in person, on social media. Maybe all of those things are true. And you actually have real performance issues with your development director. So you decide to make a move. As promised, my last comments here are about that new rock star development director that you bring in. And I have four pieces of advice. I'll try to keep track of the counting. First, you want to see that in the first 30 days, the development director has met with the development committee and really talked about the charge, about how this new person wants to partner with the development committee to foster, to cultivate, to continue to nurture a culture of philanthropy and storytelling in the organization on the board. I want them to begin to create a partnership relationship with the development committee that is more than just about there are 10 people that need to be asked. Let's divvy up the list and make these asks, right? It has to be broader. It has to be more systemic than that. And it has to be a reframing of the committee's role as one that involves peer accountability. Secondly, I'd like to see a document from a new development director that's titled, What Success Looks Like in My First 90 Days. And the, the spirit of this is to say to your new development director, I think I hired a rock star. How will I know for sure? Put it down in writing for me. See what they come up with. Meanwhile, build your own list. Think about what you would be on the list if you were writing it. But I want the development director to write it. And then I want you to sit together and look at their list and evaluate. I want you to assess. Is it the kind, are they the kinds of things that would be on your list? Is their list better? But it gives you a roadmap. The first 90 days are everything. There's also a 30-day marker. I want to touch base with the development director in the after the first 30 days, and I want to ask them a couple of questions. One, what have you learned about our organization in the first 30 days? Two, tell me who you've met with. Literally, I might actually want a list. Let's go through your calendar. Like, who'd you spend time with outside the organization? I'm assuming you met everybody on staff. Who'd you meet with outside the organization? And then a third question, which is, what do you think you need that you don't currently have? This is always a good way to suss out whether the person is a responsible asker for resources or falls sort of into the whiny spectrum. But what do you need that you don't currently have in order to meet your 90-day success metrics in order for you to be successful in this job? Maybe the person will say, Joan, I need to have a relationship with your assistant such that I can block out white space on your calendar and hold it for 72 hours so that I can fill it with people that you and I should go meet. That's a good one, right? There's a whole long list of them, but that's one, okay? And then I want you to think about the development director's first board meeting. Now, I don't know how, obviously, I don't know how often your board meets, but how that person shows up at that first board meeting, I always say that a great presentation or interaction at a board meeting extends somebody's honeymoon by like six months. 
but you want your development director to crush that board meeting. So I'd like you to sit and think about what success will look like. What do you want people to know and feel about the development director after that first board meeting? And then make sure that your board, that your development director is on the agenda and does some engaging presentation that starts to really catalyze your board around what development ought to really be like, that starts to really reframe development as a team sport. And if you can also go into that first board meeting with a quick win, a gift you've closed, that's the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. So that's what I've got for you today. What I've got for you today is, what's the moral of this story? It might be time to fire your development director. And if it is, please do so with compassion and speed. (laughs) The problems you're trying to solve aren't waiting. And the donors who contributed are looking for impact on on their gifts. But before you do that, please give thought to the notion. Start to reframe in your own head and in the head of in the in your whole organization that development is a team sport and that you're looking for a great quarterback who wants to play for a winning team. And lastly, there are great quarterbacks out there ready to play for winning teams. I hope you found this helpful. Thanks for the work you do. I'll see you next time. The Nonprofit Leadership Lab is led by Joan Gary and is the world's best online community for leaders of small nonprofits. Learn how to raise more money, build the board of your dreams, grow a large audience of supporters, and so much more. To learn more and request an invitation to become a member, please go to nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. That's nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you found the conversation valuable as you navigate the messy world of nonprofits. Check out all my other resources at joangary.com. Hope you find them helpful too. Lastly, thank you for the work you do to repair the world in ways large and small. I'll see you next time.